Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. We've been studying the Lord's Prayer. So it's Prayer and Fasting Wednesday. We started this last month on Prayer and Fasting Wednesday. And we're just talking about some things that Jesus said on prayer. So we're going to continue that study tonight for a little bit. Amen. Of course, we did just practice it, didn't we? Praise God, we sure did. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Just kind of raise your hand. We'll get them to you over here. Anyone else? Joining forces together with God to accomplish his purposes in the earth, to carry out his will in the earth. Jesus said, I came to do the will of my father, the one that sent him. All right, everybody prepared? We ready? Let's pray. We give thanks to you, Father, for the privilege of studying your word together tonight. And we do so in the precious and holy name of Jesus, inviting your Holy Spirit to be our teacher and guide. To give us revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of all things that pertain to life and godliness. To give us ears that hear accurately, hearts that receive, minds that are open to the knowledge of the truth that liberates, delivers, and sets free. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim truth with power and demonstration. That we might be changed from glory to glory by the power of your Holy Spirit and word in our lives. That we might become vessels of honor, meat prepared for the master's use. Tools in your hand, instruments of righteousness, ambassadors for Christ upon this earth, shining as lights among men that they might see our good works and glorify you, our Father in heaven, that we might be living epistles of the living Christ, known or read of all men as they see and watch, dear Father God, the life of Christ just oozing out of our being. Father, be glorified in all that is said and done. We'll give you all the praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is found in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. I believe you know it. Anybody here that doesn't know it? I believe we all know it, so we won't have to read it again. But we're talking about the Lord's Prayer and how Jesus responded to his disciples that said, teach us how to pray. And he said, this is how you pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and so on. And so we talked about the Lord's Prayer being principles of prayer, a model prayer. They didn't recite it. He taught them the principles of prayer principles that we can understand how to pray effectively and efficiently before the throne of God. And so Jesus said the first part of it, it starts with praise. It begins with praise. The last part of it, it ends with praise. But in the middle, we have petitions. And those petitions involve, number one, the will of God being done. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And then provisional, the principle of provision. Give us to stay our daily bread. Pardon, forgiveness. We all need to be forgiven as we forgive others. But then he went on to say, deliver us, deliver us from evil. And then it goes to thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, which is another word, another praise principle. So we begin with praise, we end with praise. But in the middle, he taught them that prayer is also about us because he said, what? Give us, forgive us, lead us and deliver us. We've already talked about number one, the principle of praise. Our father, he's a loving heavenly father who art in heaven. He's above all, sees all and knows all. 
Hallowed be your name. His name is holy. It's so holy, we should reverence it and respect it and never use it in vain in any way. Amen? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We talked about that. We're here to establish the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. In earth as it is in heaven. It also has another meaning that one day Jesus is going to come and set up his millennial kingdom here upon the earth where he will reign as the king of kings and lord of lords and the prince of peace until that day comes when he enforces his will being done on earth it's up to us to take our place and do our part to establish the will of God as being done in our lives and also through our lives and how is it being done in heaven I think heaven's a pretty good place I think everything's going fine in heaven don't you no sin no sickness no disease no sorrow no woe no woes no crying no dying all those things are gone away with nothing like that no tears none of that so his will to be done in earth as it is in heaven when Jesus came to the earth just follow him you'll find out what the will of God's all about he healed the sick cleansed the lepers set the captives free he even raised the dead he met every need how about last Sunday we talked about in John 21 11 that when they caught fish there was 153 fish how, some of you go look it up to see if that was in there Every time I've, I've said that before, people don't even realize that it's in there. When he caught this draft of fish, Peter, this was after the resurrection, and he threw the net down, brought up the fish. There were 153, it says in John 21, 11. Who counted those fish? Somebody had to have, right? That was a true fish story that was real and genuine. <laughs> Can you say amen to that? All right, so now today we're going to talk about give us this day our daily bread. Look at verse 11, Matthew 6 and verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Could sound a little bit redundant. Give us this day our daily bread. But he was making a point. He wanted us to know the importance of meeting with God on a day-by-day -day basis. Every single day we have daily needs. He wanted us to know how important it is, just like Adam in the cool of the day met with God, probably discussing certain things. I don't know what they discussed or talked about, but they did it on a daily basis. And God wants us to have contact and connection with him on a day-by-day -day basis. And what he is saying is, look, look to your digestive system and you can begin to understand what he's talking about. Did you notice that whenever you don't eat throughout the course of a day, you get hungry? Did you notice he didn't say, give us this week our weekly bread? Give us this month our monthly bread? Give us this year our yearly bread? Now think about it. If he designed the digestive system just to have a need for food once a month, we'd only eat once a month. Well, what a sad thing that would be. <laughs> what about once a year? There are some animals that only eat once every so many months. But not us. He's using the digestive system to teach us some principles and points. To help us to better understand we have a need every single day to be connected with the living God. Give us today everything that we need in our lives. So in other words, he wanted us to understand that he wants us to be totally dependent upon him for everything every day of our lives we all have these needs physical needs and many others but that's why he says look pray daily that you receive all that you need spiritually emotionally physically and so on look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 
Because you're going to see as he taught this lesson to them, they understood certain things that we might not understand with our Western mentality, but they understood some things as you go back to the Exodus, and we'll see that in just a moment. But he goes on in this same section of Scripture t- teaching this Sermon on the Mount. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? What's he saying? I don't want you to be worried or concerned or have any kind of anxiety whatsoever about the necessities that you need in this life. Learn to go to your father who is in heaven, who's above all, knows all, sees all, and hallow his name. His name is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider, or Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer, or Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is ever present in our lives. If you want company, he's Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, our victor and banner who defends us and fights for us and goes before us. His holy name is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness that delivers us from any kind of sin, consciousness, guilt or condemnation. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, physician, our great healer, Jehovah Makedish, which means he is the Lord, our sanctification and sanctifier. I mean, this list goes on and on. He is Al Shaddai, the God of plenty, who's more than enough to meet every one of our needs. All powerful, all knowing, omniscient, omnipresent God. Hallowed be your name. I'm here to have your will done in my life as it is in heaven, Father. And I'm not expecting. I'm not going to take anything less than that. I'm not expecting anything less than that. Now, Father, I come before your throne and you said to ask, so I'm asking you to give me this day my daily bread, my daily portion and supply of what I need. He wants us to do that, to be dependent upon him and not worry so that we could lay our head upon the pillow of his promises, knowing, praise God, that when we awaken, awaken in the morning, His mercies are renewed every morning. Also, the concept, this concept of daily bread goes back to the Exodus. Go back to the book of Exodus when they came out of Egypt and look in chapter 16. It goes back to the provision of manna when they were in the wilderness. Now remember, they came out of Egypt where they were well fed, but well mistreated as well. They were slaves in Egypt. Their bellies were full. But they were driven by hard taskmasters. And they were in difficult straits. But they had their belly full. Now notice this. In Exodus 16 verses 2 to 5. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel. Murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them. Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots and we, when we did eat bread to the full, for you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. So these people came out of Egypt and they saw signs, wonders and demonstrations of God's mighty power and glory 
with their own two eyes. They saw those miracles of the plagues in Egypt. They saw the Red Sea parting. And finally, they saw the Egyptian army completely overcome by the hand of God. And then they came to the bitter waters of Marah after they saw the Red Sea part. Of course, they came to the bitter waters of Marah and they saw the waters made sweet as a tree was thrown into it because they were thirsty. And now after seeing all these miracles take place, their stomach growls. All of a sudden, things change. You brought us out here to die. You're going to kill us with hunger in this wilderness. And God says, you know what, Moses? Tell them this. And he says, look, I'm going to send manna from heaven. Manna is a word that means, what is this? That's what the word means in the Hebrew. When this manna falls down from heaven, what is this? Manna, that's what they're saying. That's what it means. You can look it up in your margin of your Bible and you can see they didn't know what it was. And of course, we understand that it was bread that came down from heaven, but it wasn't necessarily what the word means. The word doesn't mean bread. It means what is this? That's what they called it. What is this? They had no idea what it was. And they were specifically given instruction as to what to do with regard to how much that they would eat. But God is doing this to prove whether or not they will serve him and trust him with the necessities of life. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 8, we can see the same thing being spoken by uh, the Spirit of God. Look at chapter 8, first three verses. Instead of looking to God to provide for their physical needs for, for you know, food, what do they do? They cry out and complain and murmur. Notice this, all the commandments which I command thee this day you shall observe to do, that you may live and multiply and go and possess the land which the Lord, your, the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered or allowed thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know something know what that man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord does man live and so when we cry out, give us this day our daily bread, it's not just manna. It's not just food to eat or water to drink. For the needs of men go far beyond our physical needs. Yes, we need food. Yes, we need water. Yes, we need clothing. Yes, we need housing. Yes, we need finances. Yes, we need a car to drive. Yes, we need a cell phone. Yes, we need shelter, right? Yes, we need all these things we need oxygen to breathe every single day of our lives and we need strength and we need health and we need spiritual provision as well as a matter of fact jesus quoted that verse right there deuteronomy 8 and verse 3 when he was on the mount of temptation let's read it in matthew 4 first few verses here 
Jesus was led up by the spirit of the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward what? Hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what is he saying? Bread goes beyond just physical food. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God is also spiritual food that a man needs to live by and live on. Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. You can feed on my word. Jesus was the word made flesh who dwelt among us. So when we're talking about give us to stay our daily bread, we can say, yes, provide for us as far as food, water, shelter, clothing, oxygen, finances, a car, etc., 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 etc. But it's also true that bread, give us to stay our daily bread, can be a word from God in due season. A word that God will give us for the day. What he's saying is this also. It's important that we on a day-by-day basis look to the Lord for the word of the day. What's the word that you have to speak to me today, Father? Is there something I need to be hearkening to? Something I need to be listening to? You see, he sent his word to heal them and deliver them from their destruction. So there is a word that we can call manna for the day. You've heard of the little article, Daily Bread. That's what it really is. It's not just a devotional, but it's also a waiting upon the Lord for a word that he might want to speak to our hearts as we study the Bible. So as we set apart some time every day, daily, this is a daily activity and get before the throne of God and just say, I want to thank you for all this, for supplying all that I need. Whether it's, like I said, food, water, clothing, whatever. Thank you for that. Strength, ability, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, all that I need. But also, is there a word today, Father, that uh, I need to hear? Look at John's gospel, chapter um, 6 and verse 31. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, verily, verily, notice the double verily, which really shows more importance about what he's about to say. I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and gives life unto the world. We need more than physical manna or bread. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Everything that you need is found in me. And so praise God. If we understand that. And on a daily basis, we look to him. For a spoken word, for a written word. Whatever it is to govern our lives. Praise God, it'll provide more for us, I believe, than even a piece of pizza. And that's big for me to say. Look at Psalm 107, verse 20. A word spoken from the mouth of God has tremendous power. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. The people were at the throes of death. And all they needed to hear 
was a word from the mouth of God. Do you remember when Naaman the leper wanted to recover from his leprosy? All he needed to hear was a word from the mouth of God. He heard the word from the mouth of God. Then he rejected the word from the mouth of God. But then he repented and turned back and went and changed his way of thinking. And then he acted upon the word from the mouth of God. And what happened? He was delivered from the destructive force of leprosy. Just a word from the Lord. Stretch forth your hand. The man with the withered hand heard a word from the mouth of the Savior. And what happens? The arm grows out and becomes whole. So he sent his word, a word, manna from heaven. I heard a word from the Lord. Brother Chuck and I were just driving down Route 11 just today in that area where I heard the word of the Lord coming to me saying, you will be the next pastor of that church. That's bread from heaven that feeds the soul of a person that provides direction and guidance. Look in uh, Psalms 119, all about the word of God. Look in verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Well, what's the answer? By taking heed thereto, according to thy word. You know, in our society today, there are many that really are being persecuted for standing behind pulpits and saying what the word of the Lord says. And just because you are repeating what the word says, saying what the word says, they're calling you all kinds of names that are out there. Saying that you're a hate group, you're unloving, you're unkind, and etc., etc. But how many of you know that the word of the Lord will abide forever, even when heaven and earth have passed away? And that God's word will live on throughout eternity. And no matter how man receives it, rejects it, or receives it, it doesn't matter. God's word is the final authority. And so if God's word says something, then we need to abide by the word of God. And there's no misinterpretation of certain things that they're talking about. And so the word of the Lord or the man that comes down from heaven, the bread that comes down from above can be a spoken word in due season that comes from the lips of God as to what a person should do or how young, a young man can cleanse his way. Look at the next verse over there in, in verse 11, I believe it is. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Put those two together. How's a man going to cleanse his way? A young man taking heed to what God said. You're going to take the word. You're going to hide it in your heart. It's just that hidden manna. It's going to put inside your spirit being and renew your mind and say, you know what? This is the right way. Walk you in it. Isaiah was, we told, we're told by Isaiah, there's going to come a time when people call good evil and evil good. And we're living in that generation right now that people are calling good evil and evil good. And they're hiding behind this thing. You know, you, you got a, you're a hate group. You're not living right. You don't love people and all that. No, we love people more than just letting them die and be lost to eternity. We love them enough to bring them out from the throes of death and let them know that what they're doing is not right in the eyes of God. We're letting people know you must be born again to make the throne of God and live throughout eternity with him in blissful glory because we love humanity. 
That's why we give the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Look at Psalm 119 and look at verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Have you ever studied a scripture and the light bulb went on? The entrance of his word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. You got a hold of that word and all of a sudden it became manna. Something that you feed on. It became a reality to you inside your being. It's not just something that you learn intellectually that's in your head. You know what it means to be a living epistle of the living Christ? It means that the word has penetrated your very soul. It has renewed your mind and changed your way of thinking. You have learned that you're not a feeling, you're not an emotion. And your outward man, this man on the outside, is not to govern your life any longer. Because you've been born again, you've been washed in the blood, filled with the Holy Ghost and power. You And you know that you are a masterpiece of God on the inside. And you refuse to be guilty or condemned by the enemy with guilt and condemnation. You refuse to let him flood your mind with your shortcomings comings, your faults, your failures, you get a hold of the word of God, you put it inside your heart, you put it inside your mouth, you declare it and proclaim it, praise God, and you begin to walk in the reality of what the truth is, and the truth is you're something bigger on the inside than you are on the outside, and God is not looking at your outside with your imperfections, he's looking on your inside with the perfections of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that you are an heir of God. You are a joint heir with Jesus. You're not trying to become something you already are in Christ Jesus. You are his workmanship. You're his masterpiece. Recreated in Christ Jesus under good works. And guess what? If you missed the mark along the way. Have you ever missed the mark along the way? We've all missed the mark along the way. How long do you let guilt, condemnation, and inferiority or sin complex come against you? How long do you harbor that in your life? Don't do it more than the the time that it takes to repent. You know why? Because God's not looking at your performance. He's looking at the performance of Christ. He's not looking at your perfection. He's looking at the perfection of Christ. And in Christ, he sees you perfect. And he sees you complete. And he sees you whole. He sees you far beyond and far different than with the way you see yourself or I see myself in the mirror. Sometimes we've got to stand in front of that mirror and instead of saying, well, you old ugly thing you and nobody cares about you and all that stop listening to that don't listen to the lies of the devil and don't listen to yourself talk like that and be a victim the first thing Jesus delivered us from is ourselves ourselves look in that mirror and just say what a masterpiece you are today Ephesians 2 and verse 10 what a masterpiece man Jesus you do some phenomenal work Amen. I'm not looking at my outward features. I'm looking at my inward features. And I look so good. In, I have got on the armor of, will you see that shiny armor? I got on the armor of God today, praise God. Bright, shining. Hallelujah. You see, you look good in him. And so the enemy wants to come on your life and produce guilt, condemnation, sin consciousness, and shortcomings, and showing your faults and your failures and all that. Don't you entertain those thoughts for a moment because you know what it does? It minimizes the work of Jesus Christ in your life. It minimizes it. It maximizes your imperfections and minimizes his perfections. Let's turn that thing around. You had nothing to do with who you are on the inside except saying, Jesus, I say yes to you. I make you my Savior, my Lord. That's it. 
And the moment you did, oh my goodness, you look so good on the inside. Look at Psalm 119 and verse 130. The entrance of thy word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Thank God the entrance of his word. You see, it's when the word enters into our spirit being and renews our mind and changes our way of thinking. And we stop thriving and start arriving. Stop thriving for something. Start arriving at who you are and what you have and what I am and what I have in Christ. It's all done by him. So now, Father, just say that with me, Father, my Father. How about this? Our Father. Do you ever notice it's an all-inclusive prayer? It's our Father. Where is he? In heaven. You know why he wants us to say that? Because whatever it is down here, he's above it all. Whatever it is that's going on down here, he's above it all. He sees it all. He knows it all. He's got a plan planned out for it all. Hallowed be your name. So when the enemy comes along and says, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? I'm going to say, ah, my father. You are in heaven above it all. You see it all. You know it all. Oh, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Worthy is your name. You are. What is your need? Whatever the need might be. You need healing. Oh, Jehovah Rapha, I just love you. Father, your name is Jehovah Rapha, and I just love you so much, and I thank you. Can you see that? Hallowed be Thy will be done in this earthen body as it is in heaven. Your will be done in my life. I'm not going to listen to that garbage about me. I'm not going to allow the enemy to browbeat me and make me think I'm full of guilt and condemnation and inferiority because of a mistake I made along the way. I know that you love me and care about me because you've revealed that to me in Christ. And you can never do anything more to show me your love for me. Why? Because he poured himself out unto death. And so therefore you've exhausted your love for us. And then you raise him from the dead to make it very clear to all of us. That's how much I love you. So you can't run away from it. You can't hide from it. You're loved by God. Now, Father, you know what I need today? I need a word from heaven. A word. What is that word today? Trust. We heard that earlier. Trust me. I heard one earlier before that, before coming out here. It was mercy. Mercy. Lessons to learn. Let's quickly go through these. And then we'll conclude. First of all, we learn from this part of the Lord's Prayer. The principle of provision. That we are totally dependent on God for the necessities of life. You know, when you go to sleep at night, you can rest your head upon the pillow of his promises. Because you're most vulnerable when you lay yourself down to sleep. You're vulnerable. You have no idea what's going on around you. You're in a sleep. But you can trust that as you lay your head upon the pillow of his promises, that he'll surround you with favor, holy angels, care for you. And when you get up in the morning, praise God, there will be air to breathe. Do you ever go to sleep thinking there might not be any air or oxygen for me to breathe when I get up in the morning? I don't think so. It's just something you expect. It's that simple. Well, you know what? I believe his promise to protect us is also there just as well. So why should we think any differently than that? It's like a David who stood before Goliath and just said, uh, you done mouthing off? Are you done now? I know you're big. I know you're bad. 
I know you've been a warrior from your youth. But you know what? You're not bigger than the one who's above you. My father is above you in heaven. And you know what? Hallowed be his name. <laughs> you know, Father, to your kingdom comes, let your will be done right here, right now on this battlefield. This giant cannot compare to even the tip of your finger. So now that you're done spouting off, my father will deliver you into my hands and I'm going to cut off your head and feed the carcasses of the Philistines to the fowls of the air because you defied the army of a living God. He said that like breathing oxygen. In other words, there's not an if about it. There's not an and about it. There's not a but about it. This is going to happen. Imagine that kind of confidence in this God. See, I know I need right now your divine intervention, Father, and I believe I have it. Look at the next one, number two. God's provisional mercies are renewed, not weekly, not monthly, not yearly, but how often? Daily. Daily. Do you not eat daily? Doesn't your body tell you if you deny it food daily that there's something wrong here? Do you not have a built-in mechanism, a built-in in your digestive system? God uses the digestive system to explain some things to us, to teach us specific lessons, even spiritual lessons. Man doesn't live by bread alone. And bread is a necessity for life. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, there's life in the word. There's strength in the word. There's power in the word. And so we need that daily in our lives. Every single day we need to feed upon the word of God. And we need a word, a fresh word from heaven. So his, look at uh, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You can open up your eyes on your pillow and say, great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are renewed every morning. Do you think he needs them to be renewed for himself? No, they're renewed for you and they're renewed for me. Every single morning, the mercy of God kisses us. We awaken to it. Oh, thank you for being merciful. Why? Because he knows our frame. Number three. But God does require us to ask. Notice once again. In between these praises. We have these petitions. That the will of God be done. That we have provision. But notice in the provision he says. Give us. Forgive us. Right? Lead us. Protect us. Deliver us. All the us that's in there. It's okay to pray and ask God for the things we need. Some people feel shy about asking God for a material blessing. You need a car? Ask him. Ask him to help you find a car. And he'll find it for you. Something wrong with that? How many of you believe that cars today are a necessity and not a luxury? Sure. You need a house to live in? No, and I don't, I don't know if anybody likes being homeless. No. Well, I'm asking you to find a house for us. But he says to ask. Notice Matthew 7, 7. Ask and you shall receive. It shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. But notice he says you've got to ask. You have not because why? You ask not. I heard someone mocking um, people that live by faith. It really was a preacher on uh, one of the stations and he was mocking. He said, we're not like these People that just think you can ask God to find you a parking space at the mall. 
Well, they never get one. I always get one. (laughs) Well, see, they think that's foolishness. But you know what? This goes way back when I first got saved. I was walking actually at the Boardman Plaza and I was walking on one side of the street and that side of the street, there wasn't any overhang or anything like that. And I'm telling you what, the weather was fine. And then on the other side of the street was the plaza where they had, you know, covering over top. And I'm just walking, minding my own business. And all of a sudden I hear the, what I believe was the Lord speaking to my heart and say, you better cross the street because it's going to storm. Was Elijah around here or something? I'm, I don't know what's going on here. I said, okay. So I walk across the street. No sooner I get under the covering, it starts pouring down rain. I mean, coming like cats and dogs. I said, thank you, Lord. You think he's concerned about every part of our lives and being? I believe he is. I believe he cares that much. Now remember, 153 fish. How, how many were there that were, he were going to feed? Must, I know they were Jews, but some, some, a little bit of Italian in them, I think. There has to be more than enough for an Italian family, right? It has to be an overflow and an abundance. Amen. And then they stuff you full and then you've got to have leftovers. And Look at John 16, 23 and 24. And in that day you shall ask me what? Nothing. Verily, verily, I say to you, whichever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Well, I'm not going to ask him for a parking space. Well, okay. You won't get one. Hitherto have asked nothing in my name, asking you shall receive that your joy may be full. Some of them might think that's too petty, see? Well, if you think that way, then don't ask. I don't know. I've always asked. Lord, help me find a parking space at this place. Help me get out of this mess or whatever. I believe he cares. Look at the next principle. Daily manna is a test. You ready for this one? Just like tithing is a test. It's a test. To see what we're going to do, what we're made of, what's in our hearts, and see if we could trust him or not. Remember Exodus 16? We were in there. Look at verses 15 through 18 now. God laid down some rules for them and guidelines for them. And here's what happened. Exodus 16, 15. When the children of Israel saw it, that is the manna, they said one to another, it is manna. That really, the expression, if you look in your margin, says, what is it? Because that's what manna means. What is it? What is this? For they wist not what it was. There's your answer right there. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating. And omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. If you had ten in the family, then you got ten omers. If you had five in your family, you got five omers. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over. In other words, they ate it all. And he that gathered little had no lack. They ate it all as well. They gathered every man to his eating. So throughout these days, those six days, that's what they did. They gathered just enough for their family. And they would do this daily. It would be their daily supply or their daily bread. On the sixth day, they had to double up because they weren't allowed to do any work on the seventh day, which was the Sabbath day. So they wouldn't have anything to eat. But God was concerned about them. Well, guess what? Israel failed the test. Some of them failed the test. What they did was they tried to put a few cookies in their pocket. And what happened when they took more than what they should have? It bred worms. It rotted. Did it not? Yeah. And then on the seventh day, some thought, 
Nobody looking. Moses not looking. That never ceases to amaze me. But God is. Moses may not be looking. Aaron might not be looking. Miriam might not be looking. But God is. So they snuck out on Sabbath day trying to find some manna. And once again. They're judged for that. But notice if they gathered double on the sixth day. It didn't rot on the seventh day. It was still good. So in other words, the hand of God was on it to protect it. As long as they were walking in obedience to do what God said to do, then, of course, it didn't rot. But now let's bring in tithing. There are those that say, well, I can't afford to tithe or I just don't give tithes and et cetera, et cetera, because I can't afford it and all that. But really the test is this. Which is better? To live on 90% of what God has blessed or 100% on what is cursed. Should I say that again? We have to evaluate that. Which is better? 90% of what God has blessed. Or 100% of what is cursed. Will a man rob God? You are robbed. You have robbed God. This whole nation you robbed God. A man will rob God. You are cursed with a curse because you've robbed God. So see, it's not that much to teach on the subject of called tithing. It's up to the individual. I just don't like worms. Anybody here like worms? Mm -mm. So I believe that God will bless 90% and that'll take us further than living on 100% that's under a curse is what I'm saying. Can you see that? All right, next one. God is a giving father. In Matthew seven eleven, God is a giving father. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them automatically without asking him? No, we've got to ask him. Father, I'm asking you for a parking space. You know what? Sometimes what people need to do is start small. Start right there for a parking space. And then when you get it, say, I'm, now next time I'm asking for something bigger. I remember one preacher saying, I started off by asking God for a pair of socks. And he got a pair of socks. I once, when I came here 40 years ago, asked for snow tires. Not money to buy them, but for snow tires. You know why I did that? I wanted to know my faith was working. Father, I'm asking you for four um, snow tires. Get a call the next, very next day. You need snow tires? I said, why do you ask? Because the Lord laid it on my heart to give you snow tires. Now, is that coincidental? Or is that God at work? Look at the next one. If he gave us Jesus, how will he hold back anything? Look at Romans 8.32. He that spared not his only son, but delivered him up first of all. How shall he, as a loving father, not with him also freely give us give us this day our daily bread give us all things all things all things that pertain to life and godliness have already been given to us but still even though he's told us to ask i'm asking you for help during this look at the next one number seven god's children don't beg they ask Look at Psalm 37, verse 25. God's children don't beg. 
I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God's children don't beg bread. They just ask the father for a fish or for bread. Give us this day our daily supply, whatever it is we need. So God wants us to depend on him daily. So our conclusion is the petition of provision teaches us to come to God for all necessities that we have in this life, whether they're spiritual, emotional, physical, financial, whatever it is that we need. Father, I'm asking you. You have not because you ask not. So give us this day our daily bread. Let's stand together before the Lord.